Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. What's up, Internets? This is Chico Leo, and I am here with another Fan Bros special delivery. As always, I am flying high above the Brooklyn night, beneath a waning full moon. But I am uh, flying by with a um, very special year-end special delivery wrap-up. And I'm not going to be doing any uh, callbacks to previous episodes, but I just wanted to go over uh, sort of the year in newer TV and shout out the uh, 12 best shows that uh, premiered this year and the 12 best second seasons uh, that happened this year. So um, without further ado and counting down, um, I have our very recently ended Into the Badlands as number 12 on our list of the 12 best fan bros-esque premieres this year um as i always said i i i dug the steampunk kung fu world um it's nice seeing a dystopic future that's different than the sort of road warrior um outlands um you know death race 2000 resident evil you know what have you look and um you know, sort of uh, another show that will be making uh, making an appearance much later or earlier in this list, uh, depending on how you look at it. Um, it has uh, the best fight scenes on TV. Um, we we were only had a six episode season, and I'm not sure if it's been picked up again. But um, I actually thought that the last two episodes sort of fell down a little bit. Um, especially the last one. I'm definitely here for the show when it returns. Uh, really like Daniel Wu. And um, yeah, Into the Badlands at number 12. Um, number 11 was The Killjoys, which was um, during the summer. Sci-Fi Channel released two pilots, maybe even three, right around the same time. And... Uh, Killjoys was one and Dark Matter was another. I I watched a little of the Dark Matter pilot, but it felt very generic. Killjoys is a little generic. It's about a group of bounty hunters, uh, you know, in the future. Um, They set up a sort of whole cool world um, that they operate off of. Some some definitely some good world building. The leader of the crew uh, is an Afro Swedish actress that I'd never seen before, and I thought she was really cool. Um, and it's not often that you see a woman leading. Now these bounty hunters actually work for the government, so they're not like a ragtag group of criminals, but they're um, you know maverick bounty hunters. And it's uh, her and a couple of brothers, and there's a good backstory, and they have a spaceship that talks to them and, and is a character on the show. And, um, yeah, I I, I, uh, I really dug Killjoys. Uh, number 10 on the list is another sci-fi channel show, and that's The Expanse. And to be honest with you, The Expanse is number 10 partially because of 
they've only aired four episodes, and it's definitely sort of the sign of where it's going, uh, my placement at number 10, than, than necessarily where it's been. Um, so I, I, I definitely, that one, they positioned as a big space opera. There were a lot of comparisons to Battlestar Galactica, which I thought was stupid. Um, if anything, you're just raising people's expectations, giving people reasons to hate on it when there are problems. So there are only four episodes and things are only unfolding on that show. I'm patient. I'm with it. I like the um, the the world that they've created. It's based on a very successful series of novels. Uh, I believe the writer, uh, it's actually two writers who write under a single pen name, but that they wrote Children of Men, which, you know, I think is probably, you know, one of the best movies of the last decade or if it's been more than a decade, you know, than however long. But um, Killjoys and Expanse, both sci-fi channel shows, both, um, you know, are not big budget sci-fi channels shows. And so sometimes that shows. I think the the cast is very strong on The Expanse, but it hasn't really um, proven itself, whereas Killjoys, you know, was a whole bunch of unknowns, and um, I just like the tone, uh, good action, good adventure, good good sci-fi. Um, so I put The Expanse a little bit above because of what I'm expecting might play out. But those could, could go either way at, at 10 or 11. Number nine, Humans, was a uh, British show uh, about when robots come to live in the home and it's something that I think, you know, we should be talking about a lot more and there should be a lot more shows, um, you know, uh, sort of discussing the issues that come about on it. Um, it's definitely not a perfect show, but, and there's sort of the one obvious thing, like why would they make the humans all very, you know, hot men and hot women? Um, because there are, you know, temptations. But it's about a group of, you know, five or six robots that are more conscious than all the others. And they have to find each other. And one of them is undercover as a, a maid robot type, you know, domestic robot who takes care of the kids. And... Um, you know, half the characters are robots and half are humans. It's very British. There are a couple of sort of very obvious, like, oh, well, you know, maybe in this world, if they hadn't done that, then maybe this wouldn't happen. But I think it's definitely really, really, really good sci-fi. If you think about sci-fi as something where they're taking something like robots or aliens and looking at, you know, issues like, you know, racism or like, you know, unemployment or, you know, relationships or aging or any of that, which it does. Um, and the nature of relationships, there are, you know, there are humans who get very close to the robots. So, and the, ro you know, the, the robots with consciousness clearly have, feeling so um yeah switching switching gears but still in my opinion in the fan bros universe is the last kingdom which is a british show that aired that um is really uh if you're a vikings fan or game of thrones it takes place in england really before england is unified and it's from the point of the english for the most part, um, 
when uh, during the the sort of golden age of the Viking raids, when the Vikings actually took over parts of England. Um, like The Expanse, it's based on a successful series of novels. And um, the guy who wrote the novels, uh, Cornwall, Bernard Cornwall, he wrote Sharp's Rifles, which was a really, really big um, series of, of movies and miniseries that starred Sean Bean, who everyone knows as Ned Stark, as a British sharpshooter during the Napoleonic Wars. But there were literally like 17 or 18 of them. Um and all throughout the uh, the nineties and 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 the aughts, and um, the Last Kingdom focuses on a guy who, uh, when he was British as a child, he was captured by the Vikings. So he's born British, but he was raised Viking, and through a series of events, basically neither side trusts him, and the whole sort of war is from his point of view. Anyway, like I said, if you like the Vikings, if you like uh, Game of Thrones, it's definitely, you know, palace intrigue, um, a lot of, you know, good sword sword battles and, um, you know, shield walls and chain mail. It's actually, and it's pretty grim. Um, it's not as grim as Game of Thrones. Nothing is. But, um, yeah, if you want to see, you know, dudes in chain mail riding horses, um you know, cutting each other's heads off. Um, Last Kingdom is pretty good. Um, so let's see. Supergirl comes in at number seven. And I think most of the ones from here on down are going to be comic book related. But um, Supergirl, I think, is the most recent comic book show to come on. And I, I it was better than I expected. It, it still has, um, you know, some issues as an adult viewer. I mean... I, I, you know, could use maybe a little bit less of a sort of sunshiny um, type show sometimes. But um, it's meant for people to watch with their five-year-olds. And there's certainly enough there for grown-ups. I think they uh, they cast really well. Uh, the woman who plays Supergirl is really dope, as both Supergirl and Kara. Um, also, Ally McBeal as, um, I'm sorry, not Allie McFeel, uh, Calista, Calista Flockhart as Cat Grant, and um, Eggs from um, True Blood as Jimmy Olsen, who's got great chemistry with Kara and Supergirl. And um, in addition to being black, I really like the idea, I've mentioned this, I think, uh, on another podcast, but I, I really like the idea that they made Jimmy Olsen cool. Um, that to me is a bigger updating than making him black. And, um, I, I definitely, uh, they've brought the Martian Manhunter on. They've had Red Tornado. They're definitely fitting it in nicely into a Superman universe. Um, I mean, a lot of the success of the show does fall on, um, the actress who plays Supergirl shoulders. I think she deserves a lot of the credit, but, um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's better than I thought. And, uh, with the exception of the flash, um, is definitely one of the sort of sunnier, more less, you know, less grim and gritty superhero shows. And we definitely need those coming in at number six is sense eight, um, which if they had made it about six people, it would have been sense six coming in at six, but sense eight 
was a Wachowski Brothers or Wachowski's production on Netflix that I actually um, also I also was a lot better than I expected, but I have pretty low expectations from them in general. Um, I actually do think a lot of their stuff is the concepts are interesting and it's visually interesting, but I think that, you know, it's often like watching a car crash, their movies and not just speed racer. Um, but sense eight, if you stuck with it, um, was very good. And I'm not sure if that's coming back for a second season. I think, I think it might be, but I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, I, uh, I thought, I thought though there were some really good performances, some really good concepts and, um, the, you know, it was a global production shot all over the world and it really looked it and felt it and, um, good casting. And so there, there was a little bit new agey, but, um, I, you know, sense eight definitely gets, uh, gets Fambro's, uh, seal of approval. Coming at number five is actually, I think, the earliest show from 2015 that uh, on this list of premieres, and that's Agent Carter. Agent Carter was the first uh, MCU uh, thing with a with a female lead. Um, I really liked it a lot. It comes chronologically very early in the MCU. Um, it, it it basically comes right after the Captain America um, first. Uh, First Patriot or whatever the the first Captain America movie is called, um, that really is the beginning of the whole chronologically of the MCU. And Agent Carter comes right after um, that. Like 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 Supergirl, and even more than Supergirl, I actually the the casting uh, was just fantastic, and I thought they did a really great job of recreating 1946 New York. Um, and uh, there, there's a lot of callbacks and shoutouts to. The MCU stuff, it, it fits right in there. And as an early indicator of what Marvel was going to be doing within the TV space, it was really successful. Um, number four is actually a spinoff, Better Call Saul, which um, if you if you liked Breaking Bad, uh, you know, I'm sure you watched it. They did an unbelievable job of sort of I, I thought it was a, a, a very difficult task um, following that up and, uh, by making it actually take place beforehand, before Breaking Bad, they avoid, um, a whole bunch of pitfalls and they're able to use a ton of characters who, uh, by the end of Breaking Bad are dead. And they really recreate that, um, Albuquerque and that feel and that world, um, that was very unique visually to Breaking Bad. Um, not to mention, I mean, Bob Odenkirk gives a stellar performance. Jonathan Banks is back. A lot of sort of quirky cameos. So um, Better Call Saul, number four. Daredevil coming in at number three. Um, and my number three and my number two to a, you know, might be even interchangeable. But I ultimately went with Daredevil for number three and Jessica Jones for number two. Um, like I was just mentioning, you know, that the Agent Carter... Um, sort of was just a glimpse into maybe what we would be seeing uh, that the Mar- Marvel could do in the TV space. And uh, they they really blew the doors open with Daredevil and then Jessica Jones. In a lot of ways, I think Jessica Jones, you know, Jessica Jones was unknown um, and it came after Daredevil. 
Um, I think one of the reasons everyone hated um, the second season of True Detective so much was because it, it, it followed the first season and was nowhere near as good and it had a lot to live up to. Jessica Jones was just as good, if not better, than uh, Daredevil. And it did it with a, an unknown character and following up a really successful franchise. And it did it with an unknown female character, which Marvel has really shied away from both unknown characters and female protagonists. And, um, I mean, they're not the only one. I mean, I guess it goes up the up the chain at Disney because, you know, people can't seem to find, you know, Ray action figures on, um, you know, from from the Force Awakens, and uh, you know Mark Ruffalo went online and had to, or you know, had to tweet asking for Black Widow toys because his his daughter wanted one. I have a friend whose daughters, you know, were like, "Why are there no you know female superheroes?" Um, unfortunately, they're so young that uh, they can only watch Supergirl. But um, soon they'll have they'll have plenty like Jessica Jones, the number one. Uh, show that premiered this year uh, was definitely Mr. Robot for me. Um, no, you know, nothing else looked like it, felt like it. Um, it was so fresh in every way. It was a show with a protagonist of color. It was a show with a showrunner of color, writer and showrunner of color. Um, you know, it, it, it was a, a mentally ill protagonist. Um and it just really, uh, you know, in this crowded landscape of TV was something, you know, really, really special. Um, Daredevil and and um, Jessica Jones were as well in the sense that they really gave the Marvel people a chance to stretch out with the 13 episode seasons and also, frankly, to take a much darker approach. You know, this is the same New York that the Avengers fought in, but this is a very it's a much different side of New York. And with the 13 episodes that they had, they really were getting able to really explore character and get into it. I mean, Loki was a really dope character in the Marvel movies. But nowhere near as nuanced as either the Kingpin or Kilgrave were in Daredevil and Jessica Jones, respectively. Um, and so just the time and the episodic nature with endings and beginnings, you know, 13 endings and or 12 endings and 13 beginnings, it, it just felt more like, you know, the episodic nature of a comic book. Um yeah, like some of these others, Agent Carter was uh, was a shorter run. It was, and that might have also been six episodes. Um, but Mister Robot was really just uh, you know one of these things where, and 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 you knew it from the pilot. That was what was so amazing. There are a lot of shows where you come to realize, holy shit, this is really dope. You know, down the line, I did not think Breaking Bad was the best thing since sliced bread, you know, from the first episode. And I watched it, you know, the night it premiered. Same thing with The Wire. Um, same thing, to be honest, with Game of Thrones. You know, um, the first episode, they're introducing so many characters, you know. But the tone and performance by uh, Rami Malek and the just and Christian Slater and actually the whole cast but um and the direction and the cinematography and the art direction the music choices all of that stuff uh Mr. Robot really was the uh the best show that that premiered this year um 
just real quick, um, I would give uh, the best miniseries to Show Me a Hero, which starred Poe Dameron himself, Oster, Oscar Isaac, and was actually um, made by uh, David Simon, the creator of The Wire. And it, it's based on a book, which is about a very real housing battle um, in a housing integration battle in Yonkers, New York, in the late 70s and through the 80s. And uh, Oscar Isaac is extraordinary in it. He's like a, uh, a young Pacino. And I think there's a lot of people out there who might say the jinx for best miniseries, but I, I thought, I mean, the most by far and away interesting things about the interesting thing about the jinx was that Robert Durst was such a freak. Um, as a documentary, I mean, it was very dime a dozen to me, and I think they pulled some sleazy shit at the end. But Show Me a Hero is really fantastic. Um, a lot of really, really great performances. Um, you know, your man from the opening scene of uh, Raiders of the Lost, Ar- Lost Ark, you know, Senor the Whip. And, you know, he was also in Boogie Nights. Um, that dude is incredible. Winona Ryder is actually in it and is really good. You know, she basically hasn't been around for like the last five years. Um, so Show Me a Hero, best miniseries. I give best TV movie to Bessie which I actually thought the performances were better than the movie, as is often the case in a really good um, biopic or biopic. still don't know how to pronounce that. But um, uh, Queen Latifah was fantastic. Um, Monique was uh, fantastic, right? She, she played Ma Rainey. Um, it was really good. I mean, to tell Bessie Smith's story in, you know, under two hours... You know, it's no way to do it, uh, you know, proper justice. But um, like a lot, a lot of great biopics, the performances outshone the the movie. But, you know, just to see the scenes from her life um, acted out and that period, um, if you were a Boardwalk Empire fan, I mean, you know, just that really great 30s. And it actually was like the 20s to the 40s, I guess. Um so, um, yeah, and I guess Continuum, which was a show that I'd been championing for the first three seasons, Continuum ended this year, and it had a fourth season that I thought was pretty bad. I still would, it was just a mess, and I, I still recommend the series, really good time travel, um, uh, female cop from the future comes back in time chasing terrorists to our time, um, and uh, decent cast, cool time travel stuff, uh, great lead, and um, really good first three seasons, but fell fell down in the uh, in, in 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 the last season. Um, and other than that, um, I just wanted to check in with uh, with shows that I thought uh, had had good second seasons. Um, of which uh, I'll go quicker through that, but. Uh, Coming in at number one is definitely Fargo. I thought the second season was better than the first. I think, it, you know, it's definitely um, very unique. It totally fits in with the vibe of the Fargo movie and the vibe of the first season of Fargo. Um, like American Horror Story, they have completely different casts, although there's at least two characters who are in both the first and the second season, although they're completely played by different actors as those two seasons are like 25 years apart, maybe 30 years apart. Um, 
it's I, I you know what one of the greatest casts in in like the history of TV. It's like impossible. Like everybody, almost everybody on the show deserves an award. Um, everyone talks about Bokeem Woodbine. He deserves every word that everyone has said about his portrayal of Mike Milligan, sort of bemused um, hitman for the syndicate. And um, I, it, it's uh, it's an incredible crime story, and um, it just has an amazing cast: Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, um, Ted Danson, Patrick Wilson. Um, just just a lot of character actors. The mother from How I Met Your Mother. Um, so I could go on and on. Um, number two on my list uh, for shows with a great second season is The Nick. Um, I don't know if it was a better second season than first season. I really loved the first season. Every episode written, directed, and shot and edited by Steven Soderbergh. Fantastic music by Cliff Martinez. Unbelievable performances all around. Um, you should definitely go listen to the Fan Bros episode with um, Ping Wu himself. From the Nick, we hosted Perry Young on an episode of Fan Bros a couple of months ago, who plays Ping Wu on the Nick, and uh, you should definitely check that out. Um, but it's also got uh, Clive Owen, um, Andre Drummond, um, really, really, really good, good, uh, good performances. It takes place in a hospital in 1901. Um, and, uh, in, on the Lower East Side of New York. And I think it might be over. I'm not sure, but the way they ended the second season seems like they wrapped things up. So uh, that actually is a really nice 20. If it really is over, they, they really created a really nice 20 episode, uh, story that, uh, you know, I can't, I can't say enough good things about that either. Um, I've got uh, The Flash uh, coming in. We're not all the way through the second season. That was a, a late season show last year and this year. Um, but uh, The Flash has consistently uh, been, you know, really fantastic. Um, I think it, you know, it is outshone uh, Arrow, the show from which it spun off of. Um, great performances. This season was a little, this first half season was a little rocky. They didn't do enough with Iris and they, I think had to stop and drop and do things to, you know, that weren't part of their storyline to deal with the, um, upcoming, um, whatever the, uh, the spinoff, you know, legends of time, time, time bandits, uh, you know, rip Hunter and his amazing friends, and um, I am looking forward to uh, the next half of the season. Uh, they've got Wally West coming in, and I'm hoping that they're able to do a little more with Iris. And, of course, all the uh, crazy storylines going on with Earth 2 and the Reverse Flash and Zoom and yada, yada, yada. Um, four, um, I'm actually surprised I have this this high. Four, I have Penny Dreadful. Uh, which I definitely thought the second season was better than the first. I think it's, it might be, in a lot of ways, art direction-wise, the best-looking show on all of TV. It is a little slow. It is a little lugubrious. It's one that I definitely think uh, works better uh, as a binge-watch than watching it sort of once a week. But if you're into gothic horror, um, then you're probably already watching Penny Dreadful. But Penny Dreadful's really good. Um 
So what was that, number four? Yeah, number five, Star Wars Rebels, man. Um, up until The Force Awakens, Star Wars Rebels was the best Star Wars thing going and certainly better than the prequels, which um, and better than Clone Wars. Clone Wars was fantastic, but it was uneven. I mean, there were bad episodes. Jar Jar plays a major role in one or two seasons. Um, you know, uh, Rebels has been really good for a season and a half, and uh, we're at a point in the chronology where they were able to have La uh, Lando, you know, Billy D. Williams come on as a young Lando. They do have, um, you know, Darth Vader with James Earl Jones playing him. So we're we're getting close to a New Hope, and um, it's uh, it's it's really good, uh, really really good talent. Some people complain about the animation. Look, it's got a third of the budget that um, Clone Wars had. But um, Star Wars Rebels, if you uh, if you really like The Force Awakens, check it out. Um, From Dust Till Dawn is my number six. Um, there's another show that I never mention, which rhymes with drain or train. And a, there's a lot more people watching that show than From Dust Till Dawn. And I think that is a shame. Um, you know, you're talking about two shows with, um, you know, well, one's a Mexican American and the other's an actual Mexican, but, you know, uh, creators slash slow showrunners, both of whom are known for their movie work. And I'm talking about Guillermo del Toro and Robert Rodriguez. I definitely think From Dust Till Dawn is infinitely superior in every way to The Strain. So there I said it. But um, I would also say that, and, and this is not an exaggeration, well, excluding Jane the Virgin, there are more shows on, there are more Latinos on From Dust Till Dawn than there are on the rest of TV, it feels like, excluding Jane the Virgin. But, um, you know, the, the, the cast and, and the heavy hitters, that um, that Robert Rodriguez has brought in, uh, you know, he's got really great character actors on there. Um, you know, Danny Trejo has been there, S.A. Morales, um, Demi Lovato, Gary Busey, who isn't, uh, oh, no, no, Jake Busey, um, who is not Latino. Um, but, you know, a lot, a lot of really great uh, Robert Patrick, you know, the T-1000 was in the first season. A lot, lot of really good um, character actors, really great vampire border, Incan vampire stuff. Um, it's interesting because the two shows uh, use a snake motif. Uh, the strain, the, the vampires have like a snake-like tongue, and they're, they're snake-worshipping snake vampires on From Dust Till Dawn. So if you're not checking that out or the El Rey Network in general, you're sleeping, you should definitely check that out. Um... So the next is The Leftovers, which I thought the second season uh, was better than the first season and was totally different. You don't need to have seen the first season of The Leftovers to appreciate the second one. And it's not clear if it's coming back or not. Um, as I've said, it's a show that's a little up its own ass. But um, I definitely, there are some some really fantastic performances on there. Um I, uh, I I I really I, I was I was impressed with with, with the second season. Um, so if you if you sort of gave up on the first season, you might you know give it another shot. Um, it's definitely uh, you know a, a little a little slow going at times, character oriented, 
um, and you're not sort of sure what's going on sometimes, but it all really pays off like it comes together. Uh, number eight, Black Sails, everyone's favorite pirate show. Um, it's on Stars, um, along with, uh, well, we'll get to that, another show on this list. Um, you know, look, if, if, if you dig pirates, this is by far and away the best thing that's ever been on TV in the history of TV. Um, it's got a, it's got a really good look. It's got a good budget. It include manages to include a lot of real life pirates from the golden age of piracy, along with acting as a prequel to Treasure Island, which is, you know, basically the, uh, you know, Michael Jordan of, um, pirate stories and, um, you know, it's gritty. It's, uh, you know, some of the characters are more stories are more interesting than others, but, um, it's got, it's got a lot going for it. If you're at all interested in pirates and you have stars, you should check it out. Uh, number nine is the 100, which ha- the concept alone would make it higher, but, um, there is some ridiculous CW stuff that, you know, it has to get taken down a few notches. Um, the 100 is a, um, orbiting space station, a bunch you know, there were wars on earth. People escaped to, uh, space. The space station has been breaking down. It's orbiting earth. So they send a whole bunch of kids down to see if the kids could survive, and then the rest of the space station came down, but the kids had sort of um, created their own society, and they ran into um, two main, several groups, but really two main groups of people who actually had been living down here and had survived whatever cataclysm. Um, I mean, among the ridiculous things about the show is that there's one group that looks like, you know, it's been a thousand years since, you know, uh, the, the world fell apart and it's really only been like 87 or something like that. Um, and there's some pretty ridiculous, uh, you know, um, uh, I don't, I don't even, you know, um, kids knowing how to, you know, disarm nuclear bombs and things like that, but it's pretty fun and, um, it's, it's raw. I mean, kids die, kids kill each other, kids kill other people. Like there's definitely a high body count. Um, and you know, there's a lot of, uh, love triangles and people being put into positions where they have to kill other people in the love triangle. And so, you know, just when it's lulling you into a sense of, oh, this is another CW show, they definitely pull the rug out from under you. Um, my number 10 is probably the least fan brosy show per se, but the subject matter is. So I have Halt and Catch Fire uh, on number 10, which, like The Leftovers, sort of really changed a lot of elements of the show. I mean, the same major three characters, but the whole setup of the show changed pretty drastically. And it's basically about the um, computer and gaming industry in the early 80s in Texas, where I guess there there was a whole scene out there. I mean, you had Texas Instruments, obviously, but there was a whole sort of computer revolution out there. Everyone thinks about, you know, just California and, you know, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and Bill Gates and, and things like that. But, um, you know, there were things going on all over and there was a whole scene um, in, um, in Texas. Now, I, I mean, you know, it's a very different show than uh, Mr. Robot and it certainly takes place at a different time. 
but it's an interesting look at it um, uh, about the uh, of that world. And uh, coming in at number 11, we've got our other stars show Power, which up until I got to say, you know, people diss Power up until this second season of Fargo. I would say that Power was the best crime show on TV. Um, I mean, uh, crime saga, not counting something like, you know, the procedurals like, you know, Bones or Law and Order or whatever, you know, NCIS, you know, SVU, all that crap. But um you know, power is what it is. Um, I can't say that it's worse or better in the second season. A lot of plot twists, a lot of, lot of characters that are easy on the eyes, booming hip-hop soundtrack. Um, you know, I think Empire probably stole some of Power's Thunder uh, this year. Um, and, uh, you know, pa- power's fun. Uh, you know, I don't know if it'll, it'll, it'll maintain... For five seasons, but it's certainly good enough to, to be on this list uh, in its second season. And my shocking number 12 is actually True Detective. Because I went to, into it without high expectations. I knew that there was no way it was going to be as good as the first season. That they had totally caught lightning in a bottle. And as an L.A. you know corrupt cop procedural type thing, I thought it was well acted. I thought it was well done. Um, I don't I thought Vince Vaughn delivered some pretty ridiculous speeches and half of them he really nailed it half of them he didn't um, and uh, I uh, I was I was impressed with Rachel McAdams um, I you know Colin Farrell's generally really good and um, you know it, 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 it it's not original I mean this sort of whole corruption in LA you know, corruption in the broad daylight, you know, sunshine state. I mean, you know, you know, it wasn't that different than the movie Fletch. But um, I thought that uh, I thought that they delivered, you know, uh, a decent police, you know, corrupt police procedural. And as long as you weren't comparing, I thought that, you know, it deserved a lot of criticism or a fair amount, but not the level of vitriol that it got, which was just related to how much everybody loved season one. So, um, yeah, 2015, uh, we've got 2016 coming up, all new shows. We'll see which which shows that made the uh, 12 best premieres will be on the 12 best, you know, second season next year. Um, there were shows, uh, that made the list last year that didn't this year and, um, have a great safe new year. Hope everyone had a great holiday and you can definitely expect more big things from Fran Bros in 2016. All right. Peace and love. Fan Bros.